Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bloody Good Horror. My name is Eric, and I will be your host for this evening, where we will be reviewing Nightmare Alley. This is my... I was I was worried you forgot to say how to say horror there for a second. Horror. <laughs> this is my dramatic noir reading style. Yeah. Oh, oh, I see. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to pretend like I knew this was a remake before yesterday. Other horror people out there, John, they're going to pretend. Don't let them fool you. People did not know about this movie. I mean, Ariel and I did, but... Because well, <laughs> girls are old boys, too. Exactly. Joining I me, also didn't know Eric, so... Joining me tonight, first up from Richmond, Virginia, please welcome Caitlin. Hello. Next up from uh, the, the Great Northwest. What do they call it? PNW? The PNW? Yeah. Is that correct? Yep. Please welcome back... <laughs> As zombie girl, Ariel, back to the show. Hi. Last week, we had, we had Rachel this week. We have Ariel. Very exciting to get you guys back on the show. Yeah, it's great. Thanks for having me. And last up tonight, from Manhattan, New York City, the wing beneath my wings. Please welcome John Schnars to the show. Hello, Eric. I haven't broken that one out in a while. No. Somebody was tweeting me today some new Sebastian Stan thing where he looks incredibly schnarzy. It's not. It, have you watched Pam and Tommy? <laughs> it's not. He that. doesn't look schnarzy in that. It's not that. <laughs> he looks Tommy esque. Yes. I would say. He's, I mean, uh, by association, you could get to Tommy esque. Mm. It's true. He's got to work a little harder. Yeah. That's right, John. That's well, we funny too. Stop being so lazy. <laughs> hours of tattoo makeup work (laughs) (laughs) well it's either that john or watch nightmare alley for hours but um (laughs) let's do it let's take a quick break here and discuss nightmare alley this is it jennifer your big break in tv of the front time John. Eric. We were just talking about haircuts pre-show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you were saying that uh, you're trying to, they're trying to push you into like some like salon type stuff. I wanted to talk about that a little bit more. I mean, what does that mean? You know, I, what's, what's that? Like they're trying to get you to do some like treatments or get like a blowout. No. Like what are we talking no, about? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> what is a blowout? This is actually a question. It's like a real <laughs> thorough the BGH meetup in Chicago. Mary and I got blowouts because for for the occasion. It's yeah, like a real yeah. thorough blow drying that makes you look well, real like, good. I I like know that that's what it is, but like, is it like better than blow drying your own hair? I mean, presumably, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Know, yeah. <laughs> they do like a fancy job. They'll style it a little bit, except for the venue in Chicago was like. 50,000 degrees and oh I'm naturally God, yes. a sweaty person so like immediately sweat through my blowout at the meetup. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Maybe I should try one. What do you think? Dude, Is that like you absolutely you should, you should, should. Do it right before a show so you can see it. <laughs> All right. Okay. There we go. There's an option for the future. Blowouts. Uh yeah, Eric, no, it's like I I basically like my old barber, my wife has kind of like steered me. She's like you got to see someone who like knows how to handle a lot of hair, you know, like it's not just like 
It's not just an old like. Yeah, go to a salon. Like you gotta talk over you're here. You're not going to a barber anymore. You got to go find yourself a salon. Yeah. They still aren't charging me like what I think my wife pays to get her haircut, which is just an astronomical number that I'm like, like why? Like I don't know. I'll cut your hair. But when you go in, uh, are they just oh, like romance? <laughs> <laughs> when you go in are they just like in awe of you no 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 come on <laughs> no Eric you know what York. happens it's like it's the TikTok trend they're like major bag alert major bag alert he's got I, that nice I don't know what that is I know you don't buddy <laughs> <laughs> man stars I don't know, so many questions John please bring mm-hmm. us the word of the day Eric, today's word, dictaphone. That's D-I-C-T-A-P-H-O-N-E. Mm-hmm. So this is actually a trademark. So this is one of these situations where I guess there was a company that was producing dictaphones. I thought it was like a word because it has become just like a generalized noun, but this is like a Kleenex situation. Um, a small cassette recorder used to record speech for transcription at a later time. This is also an interesting definition because they weren't always small. Um, The word first shows up in 1900 um, and hits its peak 1941-42 period, roughly equivalent to uh, the setting of this film. I'm obsessed. So you, you, Dictaphone is what um, Kate Blanchett has in her... 1940s noir psychiatrist's office, right? Where she's mm-hmm. that's what she's how she's recording the sessions. I'm obsessed with that thing. Like, I want it's, one now. Yeah, it was wild. It that's was very what, uh, nice. uh, John's house looks like that. Yeah, yeah. Manhattan. Because I'm a millennial yeah. and I can my only references are video games. It was like it's like Bioshock. It's so cool. In fact, in that game, that's how you find all the all of the like old. You know, you're going around, you're finding like journal entries. They're all on those like little things. The real to reels. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. on a dictaphone. But are they not like, are they taped? No, you find like games. little dictaphone things like scattered Uh-oh. throughout the game and you play them. Well, this is a big old dictaphone that she had. Um, uh huh. And yeah. <laughs> it, it comes to us, Eric, it comes to us from the, from the Latin dictare, which means uh, to dictate, I think. Uh, and then phone. Yeah. Love it. You guys can guess What's that. that mean? <laughs> Tell me about this movie, John. Who is who is phone? Is what Caitlin's asking. Who is phone? Um, this movie nominated for four Oscars in the year of our Lord 2022, uh, which is, I think, I mean, it was one of the reasons I was certainly excited to cover it. Um, it's comes to us from Guillermo del Toro. Uh, I think we've done at least the last two del Toro movies. Um, Shape of Water and Crimson Peak. Um, we've done a couple of the other ones. I mean, he's he's horror. He's like the most elevated of elevated horror. <clears throat> we'll get into it. Like whether or not this is even horror is like not really. It's, it's very it's, it's very genre. But it's horror adjacent by association with Guillermo del Toro would be my opinion. And if there's noir. Yeah. No. Sure. There's also like. And we'll, again, not to like get into the review, there's some pretty gruesome shit that happens in this that like yeah. normie audiences, like I told people were like, oh, what'd you think? And I was like, 
it's okay, uh, but there's some gruesome stuff that I thought was cool. So um, <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, but yeah, so this is, as Eric was, was joking about earlier, this is a remake of a 1947 film. Uh, oh, fuck. And of course, I, I closed the uh, the tab I had open. But uh, Edmund... Ah, shit. I'm going to have to Google it again. Um Edmund something or other. He he sort of major Hollywood studio era director did a ton of shit from like the 30s all the way to like the mid 50s. Um Edmund Goulding. Uh I just pulled that out of my memory. I didn't even have to google it. Um and so yeah, Del Toro is it, from what I understand in talking to Caitlin before the show here, um pretty faithfully adapting um to get into the plot. I'm going to I'm going to try to do this quickly although there's a lot of plot <coughs> stan played by bradley cooper is our main character he we the film opens with him escaping from or or sort of fleeing a burning barn or burning farmhouse um we then see him essentially fall in with a carnival that's run by willem dafoe but also features tony collette as a seer slash like you know crystal ball Sort of like person. a, uh, she, she gives central baths out of her house for 10 cents. <laughs> she does that too. <laughs> I yeah. literally saw that sign. It's like, it's in the background for a few shots before it becomes a part of the movie. And I, I was watching it with Elizabeth and I'm like, baths for, I'm like, what does that mean? Like she has a tub. I was like, is this like a, is there running water? Is you are real? Is this like a game of Thrones boiling buckets of water situation? Like, and then it, that you actually see the hut. Yeah, well, and I, mean, I was it's still sort of confused, right? so, frankly. The film happens in two parts, effectively. There, maybe there's a third part. I can't remember, but it's you like have, two point three parts. It's like three point three parts. I, they might give the exact year, but I, w- I would guess it's like 1933, 1934. They said 40, 41. Because there's a oh, oh, there's a news okay. in the end when he's listening to the radio. There's a news report about like uh, Nazis, something, something. But is that wait? You're saying that's part one? I think that's in the part two. Yeah, oh, yeah. Do you think, two, oh, I'll read that far in the future? Interesting. I didn't really, yeah, yeah, I honestly yeah. part, didn't put that part together. Part one takes place in the 30s for sure. It's definitely depression. It's definitely like this carnival that they're a part of is is like the primary entertainment for the places that it, you know, it's like a big deal when that carnival shows up. So you've got Rooney Mara who plays, like what, what exactly her role is at this carnival? She's like, I mean, just she's a performer. She's got a show. Yeah. She's got well, a her act is that she gets electrocuted using those sort of like, uh, what are the Science balls museum called? balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a name, I'm sure. So like, But so she does this whole, it's like a pretty cool act. Um, I don't know. There's Ron Perlman playing like the the strong man, uh, David Straythern. Is that how we say his last name? David Straythern. He plays Pete, who's... Um, Pete is a mentalist, but at this point of of his life, effectively like non-functional drunk and and like potentially addicted to other drugs. I was, uh, you know, but well, um, uh, involuntarily, perhaps. Yeah, and he's also Zena, Tony Collette's husband slash partner. Um, so he's like a really skilled mentalist and had had this like long, extensive career. And basically, Stan shows up. He's kind of the low man on the totem pole, but starts to learn from from Pete, from David Strathern, um, to the point that he, you know, where the film 
sort of part one ends is he become you know the the padawan becomes the jedi or whatever that star wars you know analogy is and that was right now graduate that's okay good yeah he graduates to becoming a mentalist he he decides he's going to go out on his own and he convinces rooney mara to do that and sort of leave with him and they're going to do this sort of like traveling mentalist show you know and it's interesting and like we again we'll talk about it but like the film also presents this it's it's a historical film right like it presents like this transition from depression to world war ii era america um and you see them in the big city practicing this act and then he sort of through his own um failings or or faults let's say um and then through association with Kate Blanchett gets drawn into this sort of increasingly complicated grift that they are trying to pull on rich people in it was I think it was Chicago right I mean I was pretty sure but now Sounds right. I'm questioning it I think it's Chicago um let's call it Gotham Yeah Gotham uh and so you know the second half of the film is really about Stan's uh, battle uh, with his own demons, um, trying to keep this grift alive. Like, and the people that they are running this grift on um, are like dangerous politicians, mob affiliated folks in Chicago. Um, so he, it's very much sort of like becomes a life or death situation. Um, it's, it, I don't know. We can talk about it. Like he comes at it in some ways from like a good place of like he he's using his mentalism. And when I say mentalism, he's basically like running a theater act where he can like guess people's birthdays. But then he gets into like telling them he you starts know, he starts getting into a thing that he starts getting into a thing that he's specifically warned about <clears throat> by Tony Collette and Jurassic Park man, which is that. <laughs> To, not to basically use the thing to fool people. They call it the spook show, and it's basically mm-hmm. making people believe that they can have contact with dead relatives. Yes. And basically, the, we can talk about it, but there's a lot made of sort of like these people having certain codes, but also that it is dangerous because you start messing with people in a way that can lead to bad things, which... Twist, John. It, it does. does. It does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. yeah, that's pretty. That's a pretty decent synopsis of a very long, winding movie. Um, Ariel, what did you think? Did you know it was a remake before like this movie happened? <laughs> I did. So I'm a pretty big film noir fan. I've seen this the original 47 version a few times. Wow. I think Guillermo del Toro though has said that his is a faithful adaptation of the book and not a remake of the 47 movie because okay. there are some significant differences between the two. Yeah. On top of the fact that it's like 45 minutes longer, I think than the original one. Damn, bro. <laughs> um I did really like this though. I mean, it is an absolutely beautifully mo- made movie. It's gorgeous. The sets are beautiful, the way it's lit all the costuming, it's just gorgeous. And you can tell that he made it with a lot of love and care for that genre, you know? And one of the good things about making it longer is that we do get more of the carnival stuff, which I absolutely love. I think that Tony Collette and Willem Dafoe are so good in this. And I could watch an entire movie just about the two of them. They were so enjoyable. But so was everybody else, like Ron Perlman and everybody. They were all so cool. 
I have a little bit of mixed feelings about the second half because a lot of that I think was really great, but I do think that it drags a little bit and you start to feel that two and a half hour runtime towards the end of it. But all in all, I really liked it. And I did like some of the darker aspects like you were talking about, Eric, that got added to this where it's like more violent and um, a little drearier. We'll talk about it in spoilers, but the ending has yeah. a significant difference that's it's, a lot darker. It's not a so. pick-me-up, so to speak. What's that? It's not a pick-me-up, so to speak. Um, No, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Love but yeah, it. I like this one. Caitlin... I really loved this one. Um, I've seen some criticism that it's Oscar bait. And yeah, I mean, that <laughs> that tracks, but I, I don't mind it because it is so beautiful and it is really compelling. It is, it's long, but I was mostly, mostly wrapped by it. Uh, it did drag a little bit in the second half for me, um, just because I, I wasn't that interested in we get into that Ezra Grindle character and his backstory a little bit more than I cared about. <laughs> I would have liked even more Bradley Cooper. I feel like his presence throughout is just so strong. And even when I was like not that interested in the whole Ezra storyline, I was interested in watching him sort of stand navigate it. I will say um, you cannot put two actors from Step Brothers in the same movie without massively distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I really do think everyone gave good performances. Uh, like Ariel said, I could watch Willem Dafoe talk carny culture yes. for the entire movie. I, I, it's just the sets there, especially, are beautiful. Um, I, I really also really like the theme, which we sort of talked about over email. That everyone's running a grift, everyone's running sort of a scam of some kind here. You know, even after they leave the carnival, um, we talked about Carney Code, which I also am really interested in. Um, but I, I loved this. And I will uh, show my ass, as the kids say. I do love American Horror Story Freak Show, widely regarded as the worst season. You do? John's laughing at me, but yeah. you know what? It, it I love tracks. that you're like, I'm going to show my ass. We all, the ass has been out. We've seen your ass before, Caitlin. <laughs> no, we know. Wow. <laughs> For those who are not on our email thread. regarded as the worst? It is often regarded as the worst season. Kaylin mentioned American Horror Story Freak Show 47 times in our email thread before this. <laughs> you know where you got the number 47 from, too. That's how many meters down my favorite <laughs> yeah. is. I like what I like, you guys. But um, I yeah, will say, cool. like, I, I feel like the original Nightmare Alley, this Nightmare Alley, American Horror Story Freak Show, like, uh, freaks the movie. Like, you see a lot of these sort of tropes from Carnival and Freak Show movies. And I just, I don't know, it's it's nice to see them. I, I just liked when I saw those little, like, hints of, like, oh, yeah, I knew that. It makes me feel good. Didn't Del, anyway, did Del, John. Did Del Toro direct, he did Crimson Peak, too, right? Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. lot of similarities. They're both just, like, very lovingly crafted period piece worlds yeah. and very visually yeah. stimulating in well, the same so way. So is Shape of Water, right? Like, mm, yeah. yeah, that's true. There was a lot of period stuff. Like this Shape, is of, this water, Shape of Water in itself, extremely similar to this visual. I would have guessed Shape of Water was like 50s. Okay, but not, not too far. Not, not terrible. But very much I mean, that same style. Like just this is just a little older kind of. Uh, John, what did you think, buddy? So I've I've been like joking over the last couple of weeks. When you're watching I, a I movie, not... do you like put your hair up in a scrunchie or do you like brush it while you watch the movie? Like, <laughs> I was, what's, what's going on I with was your laying hair? in bed watching this for most of the time, which <laughs> honestly was probably part of the problem. Do you sleep with a shower cap on? No. Just to be safe. Although honestly, I woke up in the middle of the night last night. My hair was all over <laughs> my face 
And I'm like, what? There's got to be a solution here. What do but ladies like, do? You a ponytail when you sleep. But like my wife doesn't wear a ponytail when she sleeps. Like is her hair? Well, I don't been think so. doing this her oh, whole life, John. She's not an amateur. I guess. I don't know. It is a problem. I've been thinking about this. All right. So in any event, <laughs> well, I'll consider ponytail going forward. Good. Um, here's what I would say. I've actually enjoyed the email discourse around this film. Um there's a lot to like talk about and think about, and it is gorgeously made. I love all the actors. Like they, he got like every character actor under the sun to show up. Like there's folks in this. What's his, um, God? It's like not a spoiler, but Tim Blake Nelson is in this for five seconds, and it's just like a delight. Like as soon as I see Tim Blake Nelson, I'm just like, who's that? Yes, <laughs> he's he's like the last scene. He's. He's, He's carny manager oh, number two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love Tim Blake Nelson. I'm, yeah, always, I'm here for any Tim Blake Nelson. I was so, like to see the guy from Mindhunter. Again, totally Great agree. character actor, yeah. Why is he not getting more work? Um, yeah, so all that being said, uh, like I, I loved, uh, there's many things I like. I didn't love watching the movie. <laughs> like I just <laughs> didn't, like while I was watching it, I was just like, get on with it already. Like even the Carney stuff, which, so the first half of this movie, I found much more engrossing, mostly because of the characters. Like I just felt like the characters were more fun. Um, Ron Perlman, his, his little person companion, whatever, you know, like major mosquito. Oh, is that, he's the major. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. Like I loved their like, kind of like two man show. Um, I, you know, Willem Dafoe, we talked about the geek. Um, I was shocked because I was, this came up at work. Like how many people didn't know what a geek was. And I, and I like, oh. yeah, like there was a book geek love. Dave, anybody ever seen this book? Geek love. I'm trying to, wasn't there a anyway. song? I'm trying to, th- there was some kind of song or movie in my youth that taught me this. Like I didn't know it. And I remember a specific thing teaching me me being like, Oh, this was a thing. My father, my dad told me this like a hundred percent. He, this was like the type of like trivia. He'd be like, Hey, you know what a geek actually is? Um, in any event, like I like the first half. The first half is mostly like characterization and like, and sort of like sort of world building or like character building. It doesn't have that much of a point. Like I can understand where in the original it would have been shorter because you don't need as much as they give you. Although it is a lot of fun. And then you've got the second half. Bradley Cooper in the second half of this movie is detestable from the jump. Like, I wanted bad things to happen to him. And so, like, you know. The first half, he's kind of morally ambiguous. Like, definitely shady, but you're like, I kept thinking something's going to happen that's going to, like, make him be good. Like, because there's things happening around him that might be pinging his humanity. And you're like, oh, where's this going? And then they go forward. 30 seconds into the flash into the future. You're like, Oh, he's a bad man. He's bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. all the ambiguity is just out the window, but it, to yeah, be fair, he's, that's he's much more detestable that's in part this of the, version than the 47 one. To be like fair. I think that's part of that journey sometimes too. Like he, it's about a character who's sort of like, doesn't start out necessarily that bad, but is highly corruptible. Like he, he's malleable but, to, but I do think it's really hard to build a movie it's around a, it's a character. Bold. Yeah. That you, Frankly, I was like, can something terrible just happen? Like, because it's not even like Jenkins beat him up. It's not even like you're getting, I love to, it's not even like you're getting enough of a good character 
to balance. Like it, there isn't a lot of balance. Like no. you've got Rooney Mara, but she's no. does not have a lot of screen time. Like she's not really she's, like the main. She's character. a non-factor in this movie. Like it's that's another complaint I have. Is like a lot of my complaints end up being around like structure, pacing, and like the way that the second half of this thing evolves. I I will say I was I was pretty clear on where this was going. Certainly, like, as soon as, so, I don't know if we want to get into spoilers, but, like, so when it gets there, I'm kind of like, okay, like, cool. Did I need three hours to get to this point? Like, I wanted him to get punished. He's getting punished. I don't know. Like, and it did even feel, and and I think, Arrow, you mentioned, like, the the pacing issues, part of it is that, like, there's not really a climax. Like even the climax is like a fake climax because then you have this whole denouement, like Kodo, whatever you want to call it. That's pretty long. It's fair. It's lengthy. Yeah. And so like I don't know. Minutes. So yeah, like I respect this movie that it is a best picture nominee is like ludicrous to me. Like, it's oh, just like, Oh, come on. But like, what, what are we talking about? Like, are we really not making better movies? That hair draining your brain out, John? What's No, (laughs) like, but this is like, I, because like, I think. Don't they have a huge pool of best picture nominees now? There's no like double the size. There's 10, but like. And we're also in a slow era. Like movies are not coming out as fast paced as they used to because of the theaters. Sure. There's just I'm like I don't know. They, did, first of all, well, that's a good they question. Don't have to nominate ten. I have a question also. Did this go to theaters? Because man, I would have loved yeah. to have seen this on. Yeah, it's still in theaters. Yeah. Is it? It is still in well, theaters. I'm not gonna, yeah, yeah, I could see it in New York. I'm not watching sure. it again, and I'm not watching it when no. I can't break it in half into two sittings. So I was gonna say, Eric, you would need a bathroom <laughs> break during that. <laughs> Oof. Well, maybe a fork. Maybe I'll get like the Blu-ray or something. That's real pretty. I loved this movie, which is actually, I mean. Given how much this I breaks all the Eric rules, it breaks all the Eric rules. However, it weirdly that re- good, John? it weirdly reminds me of a lot of my favorite <laughs> Scorsese movies, and then it follows a very similar kind of structure that is admittedly like non traditional. Where it's almost like following instead of just like a one story arc, it's like following the life and times of a character. There is a larger arc, but you, but within that, you're getting several kind of ups and downs. And largely, like those Scorsese movies I love, it's about a sort of easily corruptible character who just goes buck wild, gets in too deep, and gets what's coming to him, usually him, at the end. I don't know why, I just found like a weird parallel. Um, So I was sort of like, I guess I might be primed, because some of those Scorsese movies, like Wolf of Wall Street is a really great example. Like, there isn't really one story there's like 10 stories in that movie. And and I've watched that movie like a hundred times. So I might be just primed to enjoy something. If it's sure. as pretty as this and moves, I mean like, it doesn't move per se, but I feel like it's the acting. Like every scene is like world-class acting going on. Like I think everybody is fantastic in this movie. Um, Man, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe. I was really fascinated by Rooney Mars performance here because it's very layered. And in particular, what I liked was her ability through that character to sort of show the like putting on of different faces because like, especially in the fast forward time, she is ostensibly when they're doing their performances, like this very sophisticated, confident assistant to Bradley Cooper. But as soon as we get backstage, she is in this like, I mean, I, I, 
I think emotionally abusive relationship. Like that's what it looks like, especially when he's like berating well, her for end, not memorizing for sure. shit. But like, so you see she's able to, she's projecting these different things. And then she's, they've moved into this sort of a uh, high society kind of life that they're moving around in. But then they get with their carny people and she like the accent comes out. I don't know. Something just kind of fascinated me about Rooney Mara in this movie. I'm a big, uh, I love Bradley Cooper almost as much as John Schnars, so I'm pretty inclined to love anything that he does. <laughs> I, I love him here. He's hamming it up. Looks great with a mustache, John, if I do say so myself. Um, That's your next uh, assignment, John. And man, like, you know, then when you just think, like, there can't be more amazing acting in this movie, Kate Blanchett comes in and is basically, like, just an amazing noir, like, larger-than-life villain in this incredible office setting and like you really just love the office it's incredible it's so i mean this movie is is friggin' gorgeous i I feel like if i had seen this on in a theater it might have even blown me away maybe even might be like higher on it like because it would have just been so dazzled by the visuals um i love too i'm really a sucker for period pieces that spend a lot of time in the day-to-day minutiae of the world. And I think that's actually what a lot of the runtime goes to, especially in the carnival part. I love the like, here's where we sit and eat breakfast. And here's where we yeah. get HJs in the bathtub. <laughs> like, <laughs> totally agree. But like, here's how, but like you see him sleeping on the straw. Like all that stuff adds time to the movie, right? It might be a full minute of watching him wake up in his weird straw bed and wander out and get food. But like, man, that just, that stuff gets me in the pleasure centers of my brain, John. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things about this movie that are kind of tailor made for me. It is very long. I watched it in two sittings. Um, I was well in, eh, I was a little ways into the Kate Blanchett storyline when I kind of broke it. And then I finished it the next day. Had, if I tried to do this in one sitting, I might feel differently about the plot. Like there is something to be said about being able to do that. If you're just, you got to stop watching something. Uh, but man, I loved it. I think it's, I think it's great. Eric, I think the one place that you and I are disagreeing on this is I, I didn't like Rooney Mara's performance that much. I feel like, I don't know. She, I don't know if she was just underutilized or if she just, I don't know. Ariel, was it you that also, you yeah. weren't crazy about it? Yeah, I just found her pretty flat a lot of the time. And I think we're supposed to read her as being really charming. And I just didn't get that so much from her. I also think part of it is maybe in the script writing that she's not given a lot of really good lines in this. Yeah. Um, I really, Colleen Gray, I think, plays her character in the 47 version. And she's got a lot of like spunk and heart to her. And also this naivete that runs through where you're like, I understand why she follows him where she follows him. Mm-hmm. And I, I found some of that to be missing here. I don't think it's a terrible performance by any means. Nobody gives right. a terrible performance in this movie. She just wasn't my favorite. Yeah. All of the acting. Here's what I would say. It's, I agree. And like I said, I loved, I love the actors. And I think the, it's, there is like an affectation they're doing here. Like they are almost like doing yeah, a like fifth, you know, a 1940s <laughs> noir performance, but in a modern film. And so I think that has um, very uneven results. And I think Rooney Mara like is not as, it doesn't work as well for her. Um, whereas like Ron Perlman, you drop him in 1945. 
I wish yeah, I knew. I wish I knew his name, but the little person in this movie is fantastic. Uh, like Mark, his name is Mark. Mark Povinelli. Yeah. Extremely charismatic, and I, I liked. I was just. I liked his relationship with Rooney Mara. I thought that was pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. No. No. <laughs> I was just going to say, I like that there's this line where he's pulling the lever and Bradley Cooper bends down to do it to show him. And he thinks he's bending down to talk to him. And he says, don't do that. Like, don't bend down to talk to me. I just appreciated adding that in because I know that's an issue. You know? I love that scene. I thought Cooper was awesome in that scene. I loved watching him get animated. Mm-hmm. And that that's the thing for me that pulled me through the parts, even after the movie. Um, I enjoyed watching... Bradley Cooper do the mentalist thing. Like I enjoyed watching him sort of read people, try to scam people. Like he, he gets really excited in that scene where they're testing out the electric chair and he's all animated and he's kind of showing him how to do it. That it's like a lot of fun. And that to me is what pulled me through the points in which he just becomes a not likable character. That's also where the movie just starts getting very dark because at that point you feel you feel a little out on a limb without a likable character and you, you just know shit's going south like real fast. You just know what's happening. I feel like yeah. they do a good job of him like being interested in the grift and like the magician mentalist grift. He's good at it and you see him like come into his own and be good at it and sort of like save the day in that one scenario with the, when the cops show up and then you see his ego just swell and his just douchebaggery intensify (laughs) and then you know we get his fall because he breaks the code like he does the spook show so it's like i think that yeah his performance here is is really really great so all right can we let's can we get into the spoilers because like i want to talk through the morality play aspects of this sure okay sure because it's all right so you said you, Caitlin, not to put you on the spot, but like we, we've been, we've been talking about like um, you, the thing you just said, like about that him like breaking the code and like that's what like kind of leads to his punishment. It's like yes and no because to me, like the the beginning of the fall is so one of the things that's set up in the film is he doesn't drink and he's like very assiduous about it and that sort of ties back to this flashback that we keep getting to his father, which was like kind of confusing to me almost all the way until the end of the film like he just like hated his dad and like yeah killed his dad yeah i mean there's that and he killed tom what was his name tom yeah yeah, pete Pete. Pete, sorry yeah no no sure but the like was that intentional dad what's that he killed yeah yeah he killed pete intentionally that was my read on it at least yeah well that's what kate blanchett says that you know, he poisoned the liquor bottle that he gave him in the 47 version. It's a mistake. He accidentally puts it next to some wood alcohol and the guy drinks it by mistake. And that guilt he poisoned helps it? to sort of, I thought it was that he gave him, him the, I thought it was that he gave him the wood alcohol. Yeah. I, did, yeah. Sorry. That's what I mean. But he like, <clears throat> yeah, he did it intentionally in this there, movie. Yeah, exactly. He like picks it of yeah. like there are, he like sees there are two and he had just been told that like one's deadly and the other yeah, one's red not. means this, blue means <laughs> yeah, that or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, By the way, so, there's like a handful of like real funny things in this movie. And one of them is that Willem Dafoe keeps those two things directly next to each other. <laughs> sure. With a very thin divider. This is the one that everyone loves and yep. we have a good time. With. <laughs> this, this will, will kill, kill you. you. <laughs> no, but so the question I have is like. Maybe lock those up. If we're supposed to take something away from this movie, it, it's certainly there's this like his ego swells. He 
pushes the grift too far and he's like ultimately punished. But like he's not like that. The way that it's actually presented is like he becomes a victim himself because he like opens himself up through his like I don't know. Like it's like hit through his overreach. He opens himself up to. Right. It's like he is a bad he is a bad person. You're also watching a person you've spent the whole movie with essentially get victimized himself. So like each person is going to make their own call on what that makes them feel. But it certainly begs the question, am I to feel something? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, what I've seen. Like, you know, she's running a grift on him. He thinks he's running a grift on Ezra. Like there's everybody's running a scam of some kind. And he, I mean, he's a scam artist and he's also a victim. Like, I don't feel bad for him. He's a victim, but I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, he's, yeah. he's done a whole lot of terrible things. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about noir that I, that I find interesting is that it's It's often about this doomed fool kind of narrative that you Mm -hmm. keep making choice after choice that, you know, sometimes are morally ambiguous or downright, you know, evil that then lead you to that doom Mm -hmm. in the end, you know, that it's a predestined thing almost. And I think that this movie does that pretty well. And maybe even too well in that you kind of see the end coming, but by setting up the geek in the beginning and then having it end that way, it sort of, you know, fulfills that, that cycle. Oh, it's, I look like, even though I sort of had a sense where I was going, it's still yeah. a tidy. Man, ending. Like, what a long, yes, what a exactly. long journey for a, for a twilight zone episode. You're like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't see it coming at all, which is really funny. I I was, talking with Elizabeth and she was saying like, she, she just knew it when they were having that conversation in the beginning. I'm not, I'm not that good, but like, I literally was like halfway into that conversation, the final scene. And to myself was like, Oh no, like that. It did not occur to me until that final scene. And I was like, Oh yeah. God, it's happening. Oh God. Well, well that's why like when yeah. he jumps on that train and he is, you know, encircled basically by chickens, chickens. in cages. Yeah. You, know? yeah. Yeah. you guys are smart. The, um, I guess, like, for me, and, and like, I don't know. I mean, I've seen a bunch of noir. Most of the noir stuff I've seen is more detectives, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of, like, let's say, like, classic uh, noir structure. And this is, this is like, different from that. And, 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 like, I guess my question would be, what are we supposed to make of Kate Blanchett? Like, she's the, like, big bad here. Like, she's the ultimate evil. And what was interesting to me is that she's, like, She's a doctor. Like she, or I don't know. I don't, she's not, a, I don't think she's a medical doctor or maybe she's a, she I is. She's a psychiatrist. She's an MD. She? I'm pretty okay. sure. So, you know, this is like kind of early days of psychiatry. She's effectively like abusing her position as a doctor to do some really gruesome shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, not just to this, the stand, but we know she's done other stuff. Like this is not like the first game she's played of this variety um so i don't know like i am curious like and and i don't know era like how it plays in the first one or or, or just like in yeah. general how we so, handle yeah in the in the original one it's a little bit different because she is helping him in the same way but the way that their ending happens is a little different where um you know she tries to basically convince him that he's crazy you know, that she didn't do any of this stuff. She sort of gaslights mm-hmm. him until he kind of loses it. And that's when he starts drinking and, gotcha. you know, the ending happens. And so I, I do think that what Caitlin was saying earlier is right, that sort of the morality of this movie is telling you that nobody's really good, <laughs> right? Yeah. Everybody, like you were saying, has a grift on somebody else. And it's just to degrees. And Kate Blanchett's character 
you're right. She is manipulating her clients. She's manipulating Bradley Cooper. She's taking advantage of everybody in, in really horrible ways. She's stealing money from him. It's pretty awful. But he also murders four different people over the course of this movie. That's true. And takes advantage <laughs> of everybody, screws Molly over. You know, it, she, He's a he's a terrible person too. No, no, totally. Well, you're yeah. almost like rooting for bad things to happen to him. Right. But, are, but like, we're not left with anybody to hold on to. It's not like we're like. Yeah. <laughs> we the only family in chat. I think we like, have sort of like the uh, like little Carney family crew. You know, like I had like a swell of tender feelings. You know, when he comes to the apartment and he's so pissed because Ron Perlman's character is there, Major Mosquito is there. Like you know, and it's like I'm like, oh, the family is together. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm happy for her because she's been so mistreated. It's like those are the only characters that I'm really. Uh, that I'm really rooting for just because I'm happy to see them reunited. But no, I mean, from an outside perspective, I'm like, LOL, cool. Like, <laughs> Kate Blanchett got him. You know, like, I liked watching her, like, do her reveal and be this Bond villain in a very Bond villain setting. Yeah, she's like, a great I mean, femme fatale. I mean, sometimes she's yeah. a little, like, mustache twirly about it, did but any of you it's guys, so much fun to watch. Did you guys <laughs> I'm not rooting for her either. I'm just sort oh, of like, no, of oh, look not. at all I these, mean, like, generally aren't. terrible people. <laughs> did, yeah, for those characters Did you guys anymore. make a connection between what happened to Kate Blanchett in the before time and the rich guy? So with did her he scar, you're her? saying whether he's the one who did it because he said he did terrible things to other women? that's a theory that's like out there. Mm, uh, that's interesting. Why would not, she be a psychiatrist? I did not then? pick that up. Yeah. That's an interesting idea, though. Because she did know him. Yeah. Previously. I think, right. I mean, that's how he, she got that intel. Like, that's how, right. you know, she supplied it to, to Stan. I figured that there was something that she crossed him in some way and that's I how she got her scar if that's if that's intended i don't think it's in the really in the like text of the movie i was more just like holy shit how do you get a scar like that and not die <laughs> well <laughs> it, it begs more explanation which may suggest that maybe they were so i don't know like it's not just like a little yeah it's not like i fell or i got stabbed it's just like you know who had a killer cameo in this just as an aside mary steamburgen yeah. Yeah. Wait, which one was she? <laughs> okay. She's the mom. That moment Ooh. with the gun shocked mm -hmm. the shit oh, out of me. Oh, God. Yeah, that was that so That was like good. genuine. My jaw actually physically dropped. That's how that much that <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she does such a good job because after she kills her husband, there is such a look of peace and joy oh. on her face. She looks so happy with what she's yeah. done. It's and disturbing. As a, as a yeah. viewer, right? Because like Tony Collette's warned Bradley Cooper, like, if right. you do this bad shit can happen. I went... Oh, that's it. That's a bad thing that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as they Good cut point. to them, I knew where it was going. Like they show you the scene of them at breakfast, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> this is about to get really grim." <laughs> you know, like there's just no reason to go back to them at that point. Right. They don't. Yeah. They're not integral to the plot, and it frankly doesn't even like come back. It's truly just like for that moment that Eric's well, no, describing. That's that's the uh, like the heavy, the dude that's like protecting Ezra hears it on the radio, and that's when he intervenes. Sure, I, they could have done that other ways. I mean, you're right. <laughs> John like, that is does trying happen. to murder me tonight. No, it's like live, on the it's show. like live breaking news on the radio, like random. Well, he was guy. a judge. He yeah, was like a prominent figure. Come on, come on. How many judges are getting? Like, I mean, I guess it was the '40s. Like it it's was a murder suicide. Times. I mean, yeah. Interrupted the like, 
breaking world war one coverage world war two coverage <laughs> right 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 it's like hitler's advancing wait local man <laughs> <Slain. murdered. laughs> wife suspected <laughs> um anything else you guys any other moments that you uh particularly enjoyed I really I mean, the do. Ending. <laughs> yeah, the ending is the is ending amazing. for me. It's like it's actually kind of Del Toro, and this is now that I think about Crimson Peak, it's kind of interesting because both movies are sort of um, on the surface, like super classy looking period piece genre films, but like they're very kind of pulpy. Both movies and tawdry, <laughs> and like the ending now reorienting myself to the movie through the ending. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I kind of get it in the moment. I was like, what the fuck? It's, it's, it is so intensely for me was so intensely out of left field, even though I guess it was obvious to other people. I was like a little taken aback for a little bit. But. Well, the, the very first geek scene is, I was like, oh, I, t- I closed boy. my like, eyes. I couldn't is... tell you what happened. Yeah. Um, no, like th- I, this is, I love Del Toro. I love that Del Toro, right? Like, Hellboy del Toro. Like I, I would have liked this more if it was like pulpier and shorter. Like that would, those would have been my two things. Um, shorter. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's interesting about del Toro doing this movie now is that, you know, when the movie was originally made in the forties, they had to abide by the Hayes code and stuff. So they couldn't show all this violence. There couldn't be sex and even references so much to it. So it, I mean, you get a lot more violence in this one, obviously. I mean, that that guy's nose is gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like there's a lot, a lot more violence in that this one. And I think you can see Del Toro's hand in that, not just in the way that the movie looks, but also in that addition to it, which I do think makes it more interesting. I just disagree with the length of the movie. And I like that the ending is even darker. The 47 one he goes, he, the same thing happens where he becomes a geek, but it's at the same circus he used to work at. And Molly is there when he gets there. And so he's going nuts as the geek sort of running around and she's able to calm him down. And that's where the movie ends, where you're sort of left with this feeling that maybe they're kind of like the new Xena and Pete, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, this one, it's like he just says he was born for it and cackles and it's Molly is gone. I, yeah. It's in no particular one. the line delivery. That's just like, whoa, like they, they just go <laughs> over the top to 11. the best part of Bradley Cooper's performance in my yeah. mind. Like that line, I was like, it's, oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't normally like Bradley Cooper that much if I'm honest because. Me too. OK, good. Because yeah. to me, he always feels like he has this sort of faux charm on top of a cold person. And for me in this movie, I think that worked perfectly because that's that's Stan to a T, you know. Yeah, I am not hmm. a huge fan of his typically. I don't know if it's just the types of movies and roles that he gets, but how, I how was, dare you? he's so compelling. <laughs> he um, he, So he's treasure. a producer on this. He's he's an Oscar oh, nominee. Okay. This movie received no acting nominations. That's, but that's he's, wild to me. It's uh, it's like cinematography, best picture, and then costume and makeup, basically. I mean, those all make sense, but I am surprised that nobody got one for acting. Yeah, some pretty. Well, good. And Eric, to return to your question, or maybe it was John at the beginning. Like I, no, I, I don't really think this is a horror movie, but I'm really glad we covered it, and it's probably as close as we're gonna get in terms of. A best picture nom, unless unless well, we Jordan did. Peele knocks it out with Nope. <laughs> That's true. We did, we did Shape is, of Water. When is Nope uh, coming out? No, but I mean like for this year. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. When is Nope coming sure. out? I think it's the summer in July. I mean, his last appeal did was us nominated for anything? Get no, Get Out was nominated Best Picture. Us wasn't. No, and I've been thinking about revisiting that movie. That shit is wild. Us is so good. Oh my god, it is really good. Messed up, man. Yeah, (laughs) living with the below people. Like, oh my god, that's not cool. Uh, Would would you recommend (laughs) Nightmare Alley? Nightmare Alley, Caitlin. I would, yes. Ariel. Yeah, I would. Jonathan. I will recommend it after Shape of Water and Crimson Peak. This is like in that triptych. Shape of Water. Uh, both, yeah, both of those. I mean, you're actually, I think that's accurate. That's in a good accurate ranking of those three films of his. Uh, Have some coffee with you as well. Yeah. I remember way back in the day, didn't Del Toro do devil's backbone yes i remember Mm -hmm. so that was i remember reviewing that movie for like original bloody good horror college website in like the early 2000s probably Uh, we did an episode on it i'm pretty sure in the first 50 i hated it i don't remember (laughs) what i when we did it when we did it for the podcast when we did it for the podcast i might have changed my tune on it i don't remember but the first now i was also like a dumbass college kid so i don't who knows but at the time i was like (laughs) this shit is boring y'all i don't care what happens to these kids i think that's his second movie it was like chronos is his first which i've never seen it has a pretty big cult following yeah love it all right Four thumbs up from the BGH crew. I believe Casey liked it a lot as well. We should mention he he's he, he's going through some like physical therapy. He's got some podcasting injuries that he's healing from, and uh, hopefully he'll be back soon. So if you if you see Casey on uh, social media or Slack, just shout him out and tell him you hope he feels better soon. All right, y'all, let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. You know, a lot of people write me and say, "Hey, Joe Bob Briggs." What is Monster Vision? You don't need no special glasses or an insect's head. Just a healthy love for slime and disrespect for the dead. We'll talk about some movies by the old double wide. And when you get that creepy feeling creeping up inside, well then you got Monster Vision. It's a heck of a fright. We're tearing the heart out of Saturday night. These Monster Vision movies serve a primitive drive. Cause watching people die can make you feel so alive So throw away your clicker now, the flicks have begun Cause there's nothing you can do while fully dressed It's as fun as watching TNT beneath the bugs after light We're tearing the heart out of Saturday night Tearing the heart out of Saturday night Hey, I'm Joe Bob Briggs, and you're listening to the Bloody Good Horror Podcast. Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. 
few things pick me up like that song, John. As you can see. I know. You know what I'm lifts aware. me up, Eric? What? Filling up your year-end list. <laughs> I, so here's the thing. Well, I think this is a 2021 movie. Ooh, it is. Even though it's out right now in theaters. I know, but it was like pretty. You could have seen this in 21. Google it. Let's Google it. People, no, people voted for it in last year. Damn it. I know. I know. <laughs> this is this is one of the December 17th, 2021. Yeah. What's Sorry. my number one? Just out of curiosity, Caitlin. You only have two on your list. It's number one, Scream, and then Blank, and then number this, ten is Texas. Yeah, this would have <laughs> this would have gone above Scream. Okay. Let's just say that. In my heart. Maybe I can work it so Scream 5 goes at number 5 this year. I would, I would enjoy that uh, symmetry. Uh, no email this week except Kaylin Kissimmee trolling me about Disney stuff, which I'm not going to read on air because I don't <laughs> care about Disney. Kaylin, uh, Kaylin, what's going on, on Twitter? Sure. So for Ask BGH, we've got two tweets. First is from Infowarf. Uh, he says, as this is a Best Picture nominee, what horror movie do you think truly deserved at least a nomination before this? I found A Quiet Place to be extremely well done. Also, even though it's a German movie, Endsight, which means Ever After, is a simply beautiful zombie movie on Shudder. Hmm. i never heard of Is he talking about just this year? or I think quiet, I think in general. I think A Quiet Place hereditary? getting and getting a, yeah, hereditary. Dude, okay, that's the answer. The re- that, <laughs> I would have said, I mean, Midsummer of the of Midsummer, the yeah, Midsummer too. Yeah, Midsummer, Midsummer, yeah, maybe even more so. But like, there's some really amazing performances, like like Tony yeah. Collette, Tony Collette, Gabriel Byrne, yeah, monologue. I mean, come on, the two of them yeah. for that most awkward dinner scene ever put to film. Oh yes, <laughs> I am your mother. Yeah, it's, it's um, I, 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 yeah, like that's a really good answer. The witch. The witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the witch. witch. Yeah. I mean, the lighthouse. Okay. I love the, the lighthouse. lighthouse too. is a great. At movie. least some Defoe acting nomination. Listen, yeah. there's yeah. there Talk are about another monologue. monologue. The point monologue being, though, <laughs> the point being, like, there are some artsy kind of elevated horror movies that kind of got robbed. Inside. Yeah, she name drops all of them in Scream Five. Yeah, uh, that's true. Baba Duke, it follows. Like A twenty four was like. Let me at it. <laughs> yeah, they're right, they're right, in, right in the checks. <laughs> Um, and then the next one comes from our buddy Skizbot. He said, are you as amazed as I am that you didn't die by corn dog food poisoning or carnival ride in your youth? I've had a corn dog like once or twice in my life. So that, but definitely theme, I've definitely been in some real sketchy ass theme park rides and I loved those rides as a kid and I would go on them like over and over. So yes. Oh yeah. The zipper. Yeah. Did you guys have the zipper? I what don't is the know. zipper? that? The zipper was like, it was like oblong shaped, like very long. The whole thing would spin and the yes. thing would, yes. And, <laughs> and you were in the cages that spun around. I had a friend who 100% got a concussion on that thing because his head hit the yeah. thing. And I had yeah. to drive his car home. I was like 16, did not have my license, John. It was not pretty. <laughs> the zipper was deadly. If you, I mean, you, there's so many things that could have gone wrong. Like you didn't get strapped in properly. It's like, yeah, you're done. I would yeah, go on a... Uh, I the had dangers a, at a carnival. I mean, but Skylar's not wrong. Like, what are the what are the food safety? <laughs> <laughs> I had a real frightening. It's all it's all fried. Like you're fine. I had a real frightening experience on the Ring of Fire, which is like a perfectly circular roller coaster thing. And the problem mm-hmm. is that like I'm a slight person, and like when you, the people at those carnivals are not really checking like how big you are. And so I remember going on one year, should not have been let on. And it goes and flips upside down and it stays there. 
And I was legit like out of the seat, like hanging onto the bar for my life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember terrifying. Ring of Fire. It's just all it is is it goes upside down. It like rocks back and forth. And, and then, then it, it just like gets there and it down. stops. Yeah. yeah. I feel up. like that about the boat, like the, the boats that go like whoop and they no, flip upside down. You can always hear people's change or you did when people had change, like trickling out of their pockets and hitting the metal on the way nothing, down. <laughs> nothing frightens me more than those boats. Yeah. Even if they, I had even an if they're that puked on it and like got all oh, over God. people. So ever since then, I'm like, never, ever, ever. <laughs> never even if not they're because of the upside down, but because I don't want to be fucking puked on. Because some of them yeah. don't go upside down. Some of them just go like as high up as you can. Really go. high, yeah. But like that feeling of stopping for a moment and like lifting, I can't. My body cannot physically. Uh, like I think I'm gonna so, die. All right. So this is like a brief aside. I was in. I was at Bush Gardens last week because I was in Florida with my sister and one of my kids, and. Bush Gardens, Bush Gardens in Tampa. They've got some roller coasters there. I probably hadn't been on a roller coaster in 20 years. <laughs> I, like, I I'm too know, afraid. Maybe. I'm too afraid it's going to like break my old man back. So <laughs> I went on this one. It's not open yet. It, it opens March 11th. Uh, it's called uh, Iron Iron Guazi. Iron Guazi. Um, I was scared shitless. Like it was literally <laughs> the most scared I've been in my life. And it was one of these things we got there at 10 in the morning. Yeah, Cause the you understand opened. mortality now in a way we didn't when we were kids. Well, so we got there at 10 in the morning. I'm like, I, I was like, you know, ma- my sister's Maddie. I was like, man, you know, I think I should get on this coaster if there's the line's not too long. And so no one was there yet. Cause we were there. So I was like, it, we, we had just walked in <laughs> and I'm like, let me just go. I needed like a warm up. I needed like anything <laughs> other this <laughs> thing, warm up. You're straight inverted going. It goes to like 80 miles an hour. It's like thrashing Dude. you around. I, See I was, that it's it the really thrashing. Scary. That's my concern. Cause like I spent an enormous amount of brain power trying to just keep my neck and my back and my hips in working fashion on a daily basis. So like <laughs> the idea that I'm going to voluntarily go to things, just going to thrash me around. You yeah. can't, you have no control once you're on that thing. Like it's no, too much of a well, risk. And you're like strapped in. Like they, they do strap you in and it's not it's like too I was much of a risk. I have a job out. and kit. Like I got to do things. I got to pick things up. It was very things. terrifying. Yeah. There's a, uh, I, just one quick story. We, there's a King's Dominion in outside of Richmond. There was a Wayne's World themed section of the park, and there was a roller coaster, a wooden coaster called Yeah, whole, whole like, I love that. I just uh, it's amazing. It is, and there was a, a roller coaster called the Hurler, which was like specifically intentionally designed to make you like jostle, and it did. It fucking hurt, dude. Like mm. your body, Eric. I would not recommend for you. <laughs> you know what I was obsessed with as a kid was the gravitron. It was called different things in different places, but where you stick so the to the Gravitron walls. was the one ride. I wasn't on it, but I was with a group of people, and someone threw up. On Wait, the, and like, it's, it's the thing one that, that just spins, like spins and you stick to the walls, you and then they go up straight. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah okay. Yeah, if someone yeah. throws up in that. It's like uh, oh. just everywhere. So know? gross, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So like they, they love it because like the spaceship door goes down. And then, like, they come off. I, I can, like, picture it clear. Like, they can just Core memory for sure. <laughs> yeah. My problem is I get really car sick. Like, I get super motion sick, but I love roller coasters. And so I used to go on them, and then I would just, like, take a break afterwards. And I would always take medication before I went on. But I had been waiting years for my niece to finally get old enough and tall enough to be able to go on a roller coaster with me. She used to live in Missouri, and they have this roller coaster there where it's one of those ones where it straps you in and your legs dangle. And then it goes through like a corkscrew with you. Mm-hmm. Suspension. Yeah. It's the best. Yes. 
so I went on one of those and it had been a number of years since I had been on a roller coaster and I got so sick. I literally, I could not walk upright. Oh, I got so dizzy and <laughs> I felt like I had the flu for the next like six hours. It was the craziest thing. I'm like, damn it. I guess I'm that's, never doing that again. <laughs> no, that's how I was like, I literally, cause I used to love going on roller coasters and yeah. I was like there, I went on, I went on another one by myself later that was less aggressive. I just like. I, like I said, I needed an aperitif. I needed like something to like get me in the roller coaster like frame of mind because I went from zero to like iron quasi. 80, and it scared the you know shit what I re- you know what I refuse? Like, oh what I've God. I've never done in my life. I've always refused to do is that carnival ride. That's just the swings that go out. Like I love the yeah. swings. Oh, the swings are the best. If you get on those things, you are taking your fucking life into your own hands. There's I'm always sorry. kids that are like kicking their legs, and I'm like, don't fucking care. That me. is terrifying because all I can picture wow. in my head is every one of those things breaking off and just flying across the park. That's all I can. You see. would you die. New final destination. Die. You go you up really high in some of you them. You do go high. That's your bar, John. You wouldn't die. I mean, you, you definitely, there'd be a lot of broken bones. If you laid it on your neck, you, you could, could be die. Named. You, that's true. You're right. You could. You could lose your legs. I just not want I love swings, though. Yeah. Those yeah. are so fun. Eric, you can write a short story, Final Destination 7, whatever we're on. Has that not been in a final, <laughs> wasn't there a Carnival Final Destination movie or a theme park or something? There was a roller coaster. I think it was yeah, three, was two yeah, or three. It was three, yeah. All right, good question. But that's it for tweets. Good Great question. question. All right. Let's see. We got some. My phone's going to die. Let's see if we can uh, make it happen. How cool are the Adams family? And can we expect an episode on Hellbender? <laughs> it's so good, you guys. It's so good. Caitlin, you have you seen it yet? I have been told that I must. You must see it. <laughs> There's so much good, monstrous, feminine, and an interesting way in which they menstruate. Oh. I'll just leave it at that. Can, but on on the more deadly podcast that I'm on, we interviewed the whole family. Nice. They're yeah, they're like amazing. it's like a it's like a family troupe of filmmakers. I saw their yeah. I watched their first movie with Elizabeth. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe their first. I don't know the one with the he hits her like it's a hidden. The deeper one. you dig, I yeah. I wasn't like a big fan, but I, I find the whole like family <laughs> troupe thing interesting. Caitlin, what's the show? It's like the men I've tolerated or something. What's that called? Uh, to all the men I've tolerated. To all the men before. I've tolerated. Elizabeth was just on an episode of theirs reviewing this one that they're referencing, um, and it was a really good episode. So people should check it out. Yeah, yeah and, she came uh, on more deadly to talk about it too. And our buddy uh, Joe Ferry did uh, a really long form interview, which is posted on bloodygoodhorror.com with the Adams family. Um, yeah, you're right, Ariel. It was more deadly. I she was on that show. <laughs> she was on that show for something else. I'm sorry. I thought you guys were talking about the movie The Adams Family, which my kids watch a lot. Oh, and I full no. on thought they were. Th- I thought this was a two part unrelated <laughs> question about The Adams Family. No, the filmmakers <laughs> are called The Adams the Family, family yeah. which is hilarious. Because I definitely family. answered. Yeah, yeah. I definitely answered with my opinion on The Adams Family, which is hilarious. Eric, I is love The Adams Family and this movie. Uh, whatever. <laughs> my yeah, opinion is, is it, I don't. It's like new. Like, is, is it? Does it count it's as a twenty twenty two? On Shutter, I think. Right. Yeah, it just came out. Okay. Yeah, on the twenty fourth, I think. Of last yeah, there month. was it was a festival circuit movie for a while. Yeah. All right. Uh, question. I'm here for it. Question for all you smarties: What's everyone fa- one's favorite book at the moment? Um, I just <laughs> finished reading. I've, I've I've been. I mean, I've been reading a fair bit. Uh, I've been. I've read this book called The Traitor and the Spy, which. 
Ben, let me see, Trader and the spy, uh, Ben McIntyre. This is like, I think it was a bestseller in like 2018, 2019. It's like a, it's a nonfiction story about a Russian spy uh, living in the UK. Just fabulous. Like it, it, he had like remarkable access to the principal characters. He like did all this like original reporting Ben McIntyre writes a lot about Russian espionage, very topical and relevant right now. Um, the book's great. Uh, it's it's like a John Le Carre novel if if that's your bag, but it's like real. It's a hundred percent true. So very cool. I love it. Anyone else? I'm reading Plain Bad Heroines right now by Emily Bennett. It's really good. Wow. It's about. Yeah, it's basically about this school, an all-girls school that some girls sort of mysteriously die at. And then in the future, they're making a movie about it. And so it goes back and forth in time as they're sort of making hmm. a horror movie about this school. It's very Yellow Jackets, so I dig Yeah. <laughs> um, I just moved, John. I'm not reading right now. I'm in between readings. Uh, is, is that what we're going with? That's <laughs> I'm the, putting furniture together, John. I don't have time to read. You're looking at you're looking at IKEA catalog or IKEA Amazon furniture descriptions. Yeah. yeah. Um, what horror franchise would you most want Del Toro to direct? So I have. It's not. Um, it's not a it's not a franchise, but uh, there's a bunch of the old Karloff Lugosi stuff that like now having seen this, I'm like, why? Like he could he could work magic with those. Uh, I'm thinking like Invisible Man. I think that's them. Uh, yeah. Black Cat. There's like a handful. Oh, yeah. Invisible Man. <laughs> You're right. Is that is that that's Carl? Is it both of them? <laughs> yeah, well, it's. Uh, I think so. Well, no, yeah. it doesn't have both of them in it. I don't think. Well, in any event, so like Black Cat, there. Um, oh, Black like, Cat, that could be really cool. It's like the Shrinking Ray, or there's something. There's something Ray. Um, in any event, uh, there's a bunch of those like old classic, you know, Universal era. Those any of those could work. <laughs> like, I don't know. Hasn't he also talked about wanting to do? Uh, what was it? Some HP Lovecraft movie he's been wanting to make for years. Yeah. It's at, at the mountains of madness. It's called. Yes. Oh, yeah. That would yeah. be, I mean, I mean, I know that's not a franchise, but, but I, that would be amazing. I would love to see him do a sequel to in the mouth of madness, John. Cause that was an, that was a, <sighs> Oh yeah. Dude, that's like a top 10 for me. All time carpenter. Just it's incredible. That's, yeah. yeah. I love that movie. But to see Del Toro, um, Del Toro use some of that Oscar money to like make a, crazy Lovecraft sequel to a Carpenter movie. Like, all right, let's he, do it. I mean, this is where it's like, he has me like a couple of these in a row now. It's like, Hey bro, like everyone respects you. Go make some cool. Let's get back shit. to some weird. Like, I feel like Crimson know, like, Peak was in some way that, and then, but I mean, uh, the shape of water was very much a passion product. Like nobody, nobody gave him money for that thinking it was going to win an Oscar. Like all right, it, let was, it, it did win best. It picture, did, but it? It, but I'm just like nobody was like. Dude, they were like, dude, just go make your like fish fucking movie. That movie was also really fucking weird. So yeah. I I salute it like 100. That's what I'm saying. Like he is to some degree picking unique prod. This is probably more True. less so that than other stuff he's done recently. Yeah, just come up with some original stuff. Like don't chase the remakes. Like let's just let's do something. 
Real crazy. I mean, he has such an amazing eye. It would be really interesting to see him team up with like a really, like what could somebody like Del Toro do with a script by Jordan Peele? Or like... Or even like... He has such an incredible style and command of filmmaking. It would be interesting to see that filter through someone else's like writing lens. John, what if Guillermo Del Toro got together with Ryan Murphy for season 13 of American Horror <laughs> Story? <laughs> what if it's a sequel to the clown one? We'd have, we'd, like, Caitlin would be calling out of work for like six months. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I can't move. <laughs> what was the horror story? The thing that just came out where there were like one off episodes? American uh, Horror Stories. Dropped, but they also had American Horror Stories. So which that is like one, little... I watched one episode of that. And like the first 20 minutes, it's like pretty straight up genre. And I'm like, oh, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. Like, whatever. By the end of it, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what even is this? I don't, I don't that's know. That's right. No, I'm not into it. <laughs> I don't like it. All right. Uh, am I not depressed enough? Should I watch this again and abandon all hope? <laughs> Same reaction. Yeah, Do a saying. triple feature of this hereditary in midsummer and just get Oof. like real fucked up. <laughs> That'd be brutal. Uh, Kate Blanchett, strangely sexy or just straight up sexy? Straight up. Yeah, would, straight up. Yeah. Straight up. She, she does have uh, an intense look, I guess I would say. Um, but yeah, she, she's not for the week. She's perfect. Sexy. She's I don't know. perfect. <laughs> she's perfect for this movie. Good question. Um, from our, our friend, Brian alien or aliens. The, uh, the classic question. <sighs> this is, Ooh, this is like, one. I love both, but I think I'm going to go hardest. with, I think I'm going to go with aliens. I really I like alien. Here's what I yeah. love that. I have a very lizard brain early life memory of seeing aliens at like my grandparents camp. Like they let, it was one of those things where like we were staying there for the weekend. This is an upstate New York, John. And mm. they let my brother rent it when they shouldn't have. Like I was probably like five or some shit. I, I don't even know. But I remember like, I have this real monkey brain memory of the queen, the like alien queen at that age. And being like, what the fuck is this? I also am fascinated by, the concept of just waking up hundreds of years in the future. I find that super fascinating. Mm. So that aspect sure. of yeah. is pretty cool. The first one's amazing. Yeah. The first one's amazing, but yeah, I mean, they're both so good. It's, it's really hard. I also, I think I'm just a, might be an early Cameron fan. Cause I would take T2 over the original Terminator as well. <laughs> he made both of them, you know, that's right? what I'm like saying. So I'm saying, I think I might just be into that vibe from that era. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like, I would go one, I like, but that's like one of those, like you got to put a gun to my head to make me make it. It's a trick question, John. Only one of those movies has Paul Reiser. So there's only one answer. (laughs) (laughs) Mad about it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what that means. Um, This question is just for Ariel. Apparently maybe Caitlin, do you, did you see the original movie? I can't remember. Um, Yeah. And I've seen some, the shot over shot, Oh, okay. So this question is for Caitlin and Ariel. Do you think this was a good remake? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. It adds a lot to it, but yeah. I'm also a hundred percent fine with like remaking stuff from the forties that 99.9% of people have never heard. John, I'm not watching (laughs) some shit from the 40s. I'm sorry. Like I'm that, I am that person. (laughs) 
It's just like totally it's a different animal than like remaking a movie from like even 30 years ago that's like beloved, you know, or something like that. So love it. Yeah. That was actually the last question, John. I forgot to warn you. Are you uh, gonna are you gonna be okay? <laughs> it's How been it's been months you. since you you got on me about that. Since I forgot yeah. to warn you. It's all right. Caitlin, uh, um, you know what we were gonna talk about was bloodygoodhorror.com. It's it's alive and kicking. So it is thriving, and I, I wanna give a big shout out to Mr. John Shelton for all the work he's putting in and coordinating these, you know, screeners and it's just been a lot of fun. Um, Joe Ferry has been contributing a lot. Our buddy Adam has been contributing quite a bit. Jason has been doing a lot of reviews. Um, there's a really cool collaborative piece that just went up on the site. Um, it's like reviewing songs from horror movies, like rock and it's called eight memorable songs from horror movies and sort of reviewing the bands and the songs. Um, but yeah, the site is, is full. It's good. I've got my interview with Ruth Paxton on there. Um, it's got a lot of good stuff. Love it. Bloodygoodhorror.com. Also check out patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror. You can finally, we've had multiple people who will like join Patreon and be like, wow, you guys really weren't joking about Schnarz's hair. No, we're not. <laughs> and you should be looking at it every week like I am. It gives me life. Patreon.com slash bloodygoodhorror. You can get a live streaming version of the show every week. You can also get access to our Slack and some other goodies, the back catalog, so check that out and help support BGH today. Thank you to everyone, everyone that supports us. Ariel, thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you and all of your smart brain opinions and feelings. Oh, you're so nice. Table, okay? <laughs> uh, it made us sound very smart, so thank you. <laughs> That's going to do it for our episode on Nightmare Alley. Hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next week. See you. Bye. Oh, can I do Casey's? Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs>